I just turned my mic off for some reason. I'm not sure why I did that. Kyle said just a bit ago, uh, you know, it's hard to follow that act. Let me just say this. I think it's hard for me to follow that act. Cute kids who smile and wave even at the camera. How cute is that? Hey, moms, happy Mother's Day. I'm so glad that you chose to worship together with us today as a part of your special day. I do hope you feel honored. I do hope that you feel this day is special. Hey, welcome to week three of this series that we're kind of walking through together. It's through the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're calling it Chasing. And today we're chasing something pretty important. Each week I've been talking about how at the front end of my message, how the season we've all lived through the last couple of years, there's two words that we need to lean into. Here they are. The first word is deplete. The second word, as my wife, as Dawn pointed out last week, it's not replenish, it's replenish. Did anybody else catch that last week? Apparently I kept trying to put a T right in here. I love my wife. She keeps me on, and she's like, well, there's no tea in replenish. What are you talking about? Here's the point, right? Deplete, whether it's your bank account or it's your workout schedule, if you deplete your emotional energy, maybe through a pandemic, you got to spend some time replenishing. And that's what this series is about. We're looking at ancient wisdom, God-honoring 3,000-year-old wisdom. We're looking to replenish. Moms, that cycle explains your world a bit, doesn't it? I mean, how much time do you spend depleting the emotional reserves, depleting uh, the sleep reserves, right? You got to spend some time replenishing. I I hope that today is that for you. We're going to look at some ancient wisdom. Perhaps you noticed the white roses that are here on the platform behind me. Those are there as a symbol Uh, to remind you that we seek Jesus and we see you. And moms, just as we prayed earlier, we know that for some of you, this is a tough day. You've experienced some level of loss in your life and something about Mother's Day or maybe the news cycle of the last week, the whole Roe v. Wade conversation has stirred up some stuff inside you. We see you. And we seek to walk alongside you. Today, the title of this message is Chasing Work. How's that for a Mother's Day sermon, right? Come to church. The preacher talks about work. You know, as I was uh, working through the sermon prep for this series, and I was kind of looking at the calendar and watching it all line up, I thought, am I going to really talk about work on Mother's Day? Well, yes. Some preachers, they they go Proverbs 31 on Mother's Day. Today, we're going to talk about the value of hard work. And moms, I hope it's valuable. I hope it's meaningful to you. I hope it does give you some replenishment. Hey, I want to share with you the cliff notes. If I look at the book of Ecclesiastes, you know what cliff's notes are, right? Kind of the consensus, the synopsis of a larger book. Let me give you the cliff's notes version of what the writer of Ecclesiastes, how he views work. I want to start with the cliff's notes. At the end of the message, I'm going to narrow that paragraph down to a sentence. And we're going to walk out of here with just clear this is what he's saying about work. Here's the cliff's notes. The world we live in is primed for human achievement and a never-ending barrage of opportunity for the glory of who? You're tempted to say God because that's the churchy answer. Not through a world lens. 
not under the sun thinking. It's for you. It's for me. It's an opportunity for glory for us, for people. And then the writer of Ecclesiastes would take that and divide it into two camps of people. He would say, for those who don't believe in God, they have had to redefine their purpose on earth, but yet can only live for today with no real hope for tomorrow. The endless need for success will leave them without rest and a denial of the vain reality of human striving, of always chasing the next best and greatest thing. But for the Christian, that's on one hand. The other hand, the Christian, our work on earth can only lead, not only to satisfying happiness, but it's been designed by God to be united with his eternal plan. He's got a plan for our work under the sun with a view even long-term. Now, at first blush, as I said, I was worried about this week. I thought Ecclesiastes, Mother's Day. But listen, this is ancient wisdom. God speaks through his word. For example, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says that all scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness so that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for and I love this. I noticed this. I memorized that verse a long time ago when I was a kid. The man of God or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Isn't that interesting? The New Testament work, reflecting back on the topic that all Scripture, including the writer of Ecclesiastes, is speaking to today. Would you agree that mothering, when it's God-honoring, it's good work. It's good work. I know I'm a couple of holidays off on this one. This is a Christmas clip. But uh, Dawn, my wife, sends this to me. Uh, well, last couple of years since it came out. It's an old SNL skit that was shown a couple of years ago. She sends this to me every, uh, every Christmas time the last two years. And as you watch it, I bet some of you moms have forwarded this around as well. As you watch it, I want you to think about Mother's Day and I want you to think about work. And I want you to laugh. Check this out.
All right, there's more to that. You can watch it later. Yeah, you go ahead and celebrate that. That's kind of funny, right? Mom's happy Mother's Day. I wanted them to freeze frame it right there on that shot. Kristen Wiig is a great actress, comedic actress with incredible timing. That kind of dead-eyed look at the camera right there, I bet some of you moms can relate to that, right? I watched that this past week on YouTube. And I thought the top comment, well, it just cracked me up. It's, 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 I'm sure it's by a mom. She says this, the only part of this that isn't 100% accurate is that the mom didn't know about the, the dog's presence. <laughs> if the dog got presents, surely mom bought them. Would you agree, right? Mothering, well, is work. Mom's work. Let's see what the Bible has to say about this. I'm in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We're going to begin with verse 17. I'm on page 666. If you don't have a Bible with you and you want to grab that Bible underneath the seat in front of you, again, page 663. We're going to spend some time in this ancient wisdom today. We're seeking to reclaim purposeful meaning in our work. Some of you... You're thinking about your job tomorrow, and you're thinking, I hope so, preacher. I hope so because I hate my boss. I just need something to grab onto today. Some of you moms, you're thinking, well, I hope so. I hope there's some meaningful encouragement for me there because some days I get pretty frustrated when I look at some of my clients, and they keep messing their pants, and I have to take care of that and clean up. At, you get the point. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 17 starts with, so I hated life. Can we just stop right there and just say Happy Mother's Day? <laughs> How's that for an encouraging way to begin the passage we're diving into today? So I hated life. Why? Because the work that is done under the sun, we're going to define that here in a minute, was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Now, I hated all the things I told for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. We're going to talk about who that is here in just a minute. Some of you moms, some of you dads are thinking, hey, we're talking about parenting today. Is that the kids? Well, in part, that's what the, that's what the author is talking about. Now, before we go any further, we need to put some definitions on some of the words that we're reading there. First of all, who wrote this book? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The word that's used over and over in the book, it's Koheleth. This is the Hebrew word, literally means teacher. It's my opinion. My opinion, we're not positive, but it's my opinion that Solomon wrote this book. And he's talking about work through the lens of temporal versus eternal. Here's what I mean. There's some other words that are used here. We just read one of them. It's the word meaningless. This is the Hebrew word hevel. It can be translated meaningless, and it is in our text. I think this is a pretty good definition right here. Vain striving. Vain striving. 
The first week we talked about this looking like this word is like running up the world's longest down escalator. If you're a middle school kid and you've got some hubris, some vanity to think you can make it all the way to the top, well, you probably can't. It's vain striving, meaningless. What other word do we see here? Well, there's the phrase under the sun. This is important. Catch this, especially as we talk about the value of work, the important calling of work, there's two ways to look at work. Under the sun, in the context when we read that in the book of Ecclesiastes, it means without God. Now, this is so important. As you read through the book, you need to be looking for that phrase, under the sun. Because when you see that, what's coupled with it speaks to the futility of that way of thinking. Through the whole book, the author is contrasting life under the sun versus lifting your eyes up and looking above the sun. This is the realm of God. This is the realm of, well, just men only, women only. We need to lift our eyes above the sun. Let's keep reading. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. This person that I'm going to put sweat equity into everything that I have, and I'm going to leave it to them. We don't even know if they're going to be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill, here is the phrase again, under the sun. All of this work I've put in, this too is meaningless, vain striving, running up the world's longest down escalator. So my heart began to despair. That's a pretty important word. We're going to lean into it. Over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Some of you mamas, you ever lay in bed, your head just spins with what didn't get done today and what's left to do tomorrow. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This, too, I see is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. That's what we're aiming for, job satisfaction, right? But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This, too, is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Before we go any further. Might we simply ask God for his wisdom to be poured over this moment? Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, I pray that as we unpack and we seek to understand this ancient 3,000-year-old wisdom, that you would speak through it to us for something we need to hear today that we can put into action tomorrow. We pray that in your name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ecclesiastes calls for a heart shift. Maybe it calls for even an attitude adjustment. Again, this is under the sun thinking versus above the sun thinking. Temporary versus eternal. Uh, Work for me versus work for God. Work for my satisfaction versus work for his glory. So what I want to share with you today are six, let's call them workisms. Six Truthisms that are applied to work. And this can be work, whatever your job is, for moms specifically, 
Well, motherhood is work. You can lean into your application there. And at the end of the time together today, I want to share with you three specific challenges, and I want to aim directly at mamas for that encouragement. Six workisms, three specific challenges. We all work. This applies to all of us. But today there's a special emphasis on mamas because, after all, it is Mother's Day. Here's the first workism. Without God, my work, you could also say under the sun. Without God, my, my work leads to despair. We saw that word in the text, didn't we? Listen, if you are going to live your life with this attitude that my work, well, it's up to me, ultimately, that will lead to despair. We saw it in the text, right? We joked about it. Verse 17 said, I hated life. Verse 20 said, so my heart began to despair. Moms, listen, I, I know that motherhood is the best and the hardest thing you do. Well, I guess I don't know that. I've never been a mom but I see so many of you so hard after it. I know it's uh, deep satisfaction coupled with fear and frustration. I read some horror stories about momming this past week. Like, for example, from Kristen H. She said this, One night I laid down with our five-year-old at bedtime and I noticed something weird on her nightstand. We have five kids, and I remember when they were five, you'd find all kinds of weird things on the nightstand. Apparently, she'd been picking her, bo her boogers and wiping them on the side of the white wood. I love this. This is a future engineer. In perfect rows and columns. <laughs> Gross, right? There were over 100 of them. Like a shrine to Boogerville. I threw up in my mouth a little bit as I wiped it clean. Some of you just did the same thing. Heather B. said this. She said, quote, I found a blanket that my son peed on crumpled up in his closet. When I asked him why he did such a thing, he said the bathroom floor is cold. <laughs> I told my wife, Dawn, when we were first starting to talk about having our own kids, um, we'd been married about five years, and I told her a story that uh, that was me as a kid. Some of you who are office fans, you'll appreciate this. My brother and I, we established a pee corner in the closet in our bedroom. Why? Because it's scary to walk down the hallway in the middle of the night to the bathroom. My poor mama, right? Lisa Z says this, we moved this summer and when we were packing, are you feeling despair? When we were packing up to move, we found in a closet in the base basement TV room, my daughter's school lunchbox from fourth grade. That's important to remember. The lunch was still in there uneaten. This is the best line of the story. My daughter is now a junior in college. <laughs> I read an article this past week about something similar. They just found from the 50s, hermetically sealed in the bathroom wall, they were remodeling this house, 50s McDonald's hamburger wrappers, cheeseburger wrappers, and the fries are still in the bag. And there's all kinds of speculation about this. This was just outside of Chicago. Were these workers that stuffed it in there when they were working on the house? Maybe. But as a parent, for my money, I blame the kids. I think the kids were behind this, stuffing it into the wall there. Listen, without God, my work leads to frustration. It wasn't intended to be this way, though, right? I mean, work, specifically motherhood, was designed to be, so for moms of littles, it wasn't designed to be a month-old sippy cup 
of milk found behind the couch or in the back of the minivan. For moms of teens, it was designed to be kids that would never talk back. Pipe dream, right? For moms, period, it was designed to be husbands that really understand your heart and your frustration even before you voice it. That's not the way it is, though, because we live this side of sin, this side of the curse that we read in Genesis chapter 3 that speaks specifically to work. Check this out, Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Cursed is the ground because of you. You sinned, this is the curse. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life, including those McDonald's uh, food that will kill you. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat all the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, sweat equity is involved now. You're going to eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. From dust you are, and to dust you will return. Now, this is the curse for the men, right? This was spoken over Adam, our spiritual forefather, over our spiritual and physical literal uh, foremother, it gets worse. Ladies, this was the curse. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. Apparently it didn't hurt to have babies before this. And it does now, I hear. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. That sounds like despair, doesn't it? I saw a meme this past week that basically physically showed how large 10 centimeters is. If you've ever given birth, you know that that's a pretty important number. And um, let me just say, call your mom and wish her a happy Mother's Day today. She has earned it. Here's the second workism. Without God, my work has no return for my effort. Back in chapter 2, we see this, right? Verse 19 Yet they will have control, these people that follow behind me and just get the fruit of my labor. They will have control over all the fruit of my toil, into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. Now remember, under the sun, this is temporary thinking. Verse 21, for a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. You're thinking about your kids right now. I know you are. If you don't know you work without God, you don't know the return for your investment. Moms, do you feel overwhelmed sometimes? Reminded that you're playing the long game. What do they say? The days are long and the years are short. Mother's Day makes me think about my childhood and the number of times I, I was one of those kids that liked to go out and play in the backyard for hours on end. And we, I remember an anthill and it would build this incredible colony, and they work together. They're fascinating to watch. And like as an eight-year-old, what's an eight-year-old boy do? Knocks it down. I remember my mom saying, don't do that. The next day, they've built it back up again. What do you do? You knock it down. You talk about meaningless, busy work, toil. Moms, does it feel like that sometimes? Maybe there's some transference there that my mom was feeling. Don't knock that down because she'd been the one picking up my toys and then I'd just make a mess again. She'd be the one cleaning up my dishes and then I'd just make a mess again. Changing diapers and then a mess again, right? Third workism. Without God, my work never leads to rest. Verse 22, what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. You ever have that 
brilliant opportunity to lay next to your sleeping spouse and they're snoring away, but your brain is still spinning with all the work that is yet to be done. You're thinking about today what I didn't get done, tomorrow what I still have to get done. If you do this work without God, it's all on your shoulders. More, faster, greater. This works for any job, not just mothers. Those things will never satisfy. They never lead to rest. I love this quote preacher Josh Tess shares. When work is an idol, rest will feel like sin. Some of us, that's our takeaway today if you're a type A, if you're a workaholic. When work is an idol, something you place in front of God, rest will feel like sin. For the next couple of workisms, I want you to turn over to chapter 3. I'm in verse 9 of chapter 3 right now, which says this, What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He's made everything beautiful in his time. He's also set eternity into the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Here's our fourth workism. Without God, my work is only mechanical. It's only going through the motions. Did you catch that in verse 10? It said, I have seen the burden that God has laid on the human race. It's a burden. The word there, if you do a little bit of work in the original language, it literally could be translated the toil by which they toil. They work, toil, in order to work. Do you see the mechanical nature of that? That much of what we feel is busy work. Listen, I've never been a mom. I did grow up on a hog farm. I know a little bit about some of that meaningless can we just say it? Scoop and poop. I remember several moments early in parenting when I would think through the similarities between what it was like to change a diaper and what it was like to take care of hogs. I grew up working on a hog farm. There's a, a place on the hog farm I worked on. We always called it West of Place. And I remember early as, as a young teen, I was given the chore of going out there, taking the John Deere 2020. Yes, that was the model number of it. I thought about this several times during that pandemic year. The futility of going out there with the blade on that thing and scraping that hog lot clean. You wouldn't want to eat off of it, but getting the manure off of the ground. Why? So the very next day I could go out and do it again because they had made a mess again. The toil by which they toil. I bet some of you moms can relate to that. If you work without injecting God every day into your work, it simply becomes mechanical. Here's a daily mom's prayer. I love this. Thank you, God, for helping me know what is important today as a parent and to follow through on it. Not just the mechanical stuff, but the important stuff. Thank you for helping me know what's not important and to let that go. Today, if you're a mom, today might not be the day for you to clean the mess, do your hair, change your clothes, maybe chase the perfect Instagram photo. Rather, today might be the day to teach your toddler to share in Jesus' name. Not mechanical stuff, important stuff. Today might be the day to stay up late to disciple your middle schooler because quality time, well, it happens on their time, doesn't it? Maybe today is the day to pray over your high schooler who's feeling all the feels and just needs his mom to hold his hand. Here's the fifth workism. 
without God, my work is a temporary achievement. Temporary. Verse 14 said, right? I know that everything God does will endure forever. And verse 11 before that says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart, which is a good thing. And yet, listen, we're created finite, right? We're created according to the life on this earth to live and to invest and to do our work. But all the while, we're created eternal beings. My heart is longing for eternity. I think this is part of what makes the days long and the years short. Mamas, can you relate to that? I talked a bit ago about working on the hog farm and the similarities between the two. Sometimes I would report to the farm at 6.30 a.m. Moms, I know many of you, you report a whole lot earlier than that, oftentimes in the middle of the night. And I was thinking also about the thankless nature of that job. I mean, I hope everybody shows appreciation to your male person, your teacher, that you tip your waiters and servers well. When's the last time you said thank you to your pork producer? You don't do that, right? Well, how about your mom? Sometimes that is a thankless job. Have you reached out to mom yet today and said, thank you? Have you done that between the last Mother's Day when you were reminded to do that? And, of course, the similarity as well. There's lots of poop. Hog farmers, moms have that in similarity. All right, here's the last one. Sixth wisdom. Sixth workism. Without God, my work is all for me, and I become small, lowercase g, God. Skip to Ecclesiastes chapter 8 for this. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 16 says this, when I applied my mind to know wisdom and to observe the labor that is done on earth, people getting no sleep day or night, then I saw all that God has done. Ah, he begins to contrast life under the sun with life above the sun. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. Despite all their efforts to search it out, no one can discover its meaning. Even if the wise claim they know, they cannot really comprehend it. This is the teacher here. This is the writer of Ecclesiastes confessing. He's talking about himself here. This is a confession of failure here. He's saying, listen, with the best efforts to pursue wisdom, it can't be done because he's not God. Neither are you. You're not God. Listen, if you don't understand this phrase, I don't have the bandwidth to define my own glory, then you will inevitably seek to become your own lowercase g, God. You become a type of God seeking to bring glory to yourself. I told you at the front end that I would take that Cliff's Notes version and condense it down to a one-sentence statement. I believe that this is what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying when he thinks about work. He's saying this, without God, your work only serves you. Life under the sun with temporary thinking, your work, well, it's only about you. So what's the answer to that? Listen, the answer is found back in chapter 3. If you're a mom, oh, any worker actually, let's make it super simple. Here it is. Stop, stop working without God. Bring God with you into everything you do. 
Do me a favor. Go to Ecclesiastes 3, verse 12. Do yourself a favor. If it's your Bible, underline it or circle. Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and 13. Note this. If you look at the context, you don't find before this the phrase under the sun. Uh Uh-uh. There's no qualifying clause on this one. Actually, it's just said God has set eternity into the human heart. And it's followed by this statement that everything God does will endure forever. Here's what we're circling. Here's what we're underlining. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy, that's what we're aiming at, and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. This is calling us to lift our eyes up. This is above the sun rhetoric. God-given work satisfies Because happiness, we just read that word happy, job satisfaction, is tied to Jesus. So be so careful of removing God from your day's work. Jesus ties this in the New Testament. Remember, all Scripture is useful for training, rebuking, correcting, righteousness. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 is pointing back the word blessed in the Beatitudes. It's very similar to the word happy that we just read in Ecclesiastes. And Jesus says, if you want to be happy, if you want to be blessed under the sun, lift your eyes up. Look to above the sun, thinking, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And if you read through the Beatitudes over and over, he says, blessed is this person, happy is this person, when they lift their eyes up and they see the kingdom of heaven, rather than living under the sun, the kingdom of earth. We talked about shoveling manure. And how maybe mamas feel like that sometimes. Is it possible? Is it possible that it's not the job that satisfies? Rather, it's the one who gave you that work that's designed to be your satisfaction. You want to be happy? You want to find fulfillment in your work? Moms, can I leave you with three simple challenges? Uh, To helicopter moms, this is especially important right here. Here you go. Your kids are not yours. They're God's. You're only borrowing them for a time. And before you protest too much, when I was a kid, the Bible says dads are the the head of the house. I have a friend who would say, yeah, if if dad's the head, then mom's the neck. When mom flexes, the head moves, right? And the whole body responds, this is true. Honest evaluation, mamas. Where are you working under your own strength, under the sun? Second challenge, work smarter, not harder. How do you do this? You change your boss. Somebody here today needs to fire yourself as boss. If you're a mom, you don't own your own business. God does. You answer to him because your calling is a God-given calling. God-given work satisfies because we've entrusted ourselves into his program and into his purposes. By the way, moms, be careful of any job that lacks rhythm and rest. Stop working for yourself. You answer to him. Number three, this challenge, make God the center of your work. Maybe you heard me say this as I was praying over the moms and dads up here earlier. Your home is a seminary. It is. 
It's for theological training of who God is and what he's doing in the world around us. Your kids are watching you. They're learning from you. As you speak truth over them, oh my goodness, I've been reading so much recently about brain chemistry. So much is caught, not just taught, but caught. Ages zero to three, we learn to trust. Mamas, dads. Your work is valuable during that season. Ages three to five, oh my goodness, there's so much there as we learn about the world around us. Your home is a seminary. Your, that early childhood, it's crucial. God-given work satisfies when we focus on serving others. I want to wrap up our time together today. That... Um, seminary language that I just used. Would you stand up with me? I want to send you out of here with, with an encouragement and, and a bit of a challenge. Maybe you're here today and something that's been said or something that's been prayed or something that's been sung has stirred something in your heart and you want to process that with somebody. One of our pastors, Pastor Tony, will be hanging out under the cross, immediately following the service. He'd love to pray with you and encourage you. If that's you I just described, come see him here after the service is done. Some of you, you're our guest today, and we're so grateful that you're here. Please stop by starting point. We would love to encourage you and tell you why we love our church. We've got a free gift that we'd love to give you as well. To everyone, specifically moms. The Bible I've been reading out of today, I shared with you from a similar Bible three weeks ago when we launched this series this is one of the two Bibles in my office that if the building ever caught fire, heaven forbid, I'd grab those two as I'm running out. I read the inscription from one of them. I want to read the inscription on this one. Both of them were gifted to me by my mom. She was dying of cancer. I remember when she went and bought these. Actually, I drove her there to get them. I remember helping her as she wrote in these. She knew she was going to die, and she wanted to leave a gift that her four kids would receive for eighth grade graduation and a gift they would receive for high school graduation, those important milestones in life. She said, Dear Stan, please remember that sin will keep you from this Bible, but this Bible will keep you from sin. Love, Mom. And then she wrote, written in pain. She was in pain. Moms, the home you seek to love and lead in. It is a little seminary. Let me make this statement. I love God's church. That's, being re that's been reinforced so many times over the years by my wife, who's a mom, and she models this well, and I love that. Those seeds were planted early when I was a child by my own mother, and that legacy lives on in my heart. Moms, what you do is valuable. What you do is important. Lean into the good work that God has given you under the sun because when you do it by lifting your eyes above the sun, it has eternal significance. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for good work that has lasting impact. Lord, as we leave this space, some of us need to call our mom and say thank you. Prompt us toward that. Prompt all of us to lean in better to the work that you've called us to do under the sun and to lean into the work that does have eternal significance. We ask you to lead us through that process. And it's your name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
God bless you, Venture. We'll see you back again next Sunday.